0: Hello and welcome. Thank you for reserving this hour with me. I am your host, Coach Debbie, and this is Story you Talk Radio. We are based here in Bellevue, Washington at KKNW 1150 AM. If you are listening to the podcast or if you are interested in subscribing, we offer this on Apple iTunes on Podcast One, which is all one word, Podcast One, on TuneIn, and on SoundCloud. This show is to honor the authors out there first time or uh, returning authors to share their experience and their heroic journeys as they were authoring their brands, their books, their love letters, their blogs, whatever it is, that they're up to in the world. I like to bring people in to sort of fortify the conversation with their own journeys about the process, but to also collaborate on their brands as well. And my hope, dear friends, is that it inspires you to be more expressive, to share your story and to call in and let us know what's on your mind. You can also reach out to me at my brand new email if you are the person out there that hacked me. You saved me from responding to about 100 people. But if you are the person out there that's trying to reach me, try this. My new email is askcoachdebbie at gmail.com. And Coach Debbie is always spelled with a Y, D-E-B-B-Y. Debbie at gmail.com. The website seems to work, and that's www.CoachDebbie.com. If you want to send in a message, you can always send in one through Facebook Messenger or just right there in the comments. I would love to hear from you. Today, I have a guest in the studio with me who I'm very, very excited about. I learned about Tony Rizak's work um, five, six, seven, eight years ago. I was at a retreat with his beautiful wife, and we were having a conversation about what I call, as many of you know, the heroine's journey, or in other words, the feminine side of Joseph Campbell's work, The Hero's Journey. I kind of made it up. You know, I invented it. I just thought, you know, if there's heroes, there's got to be heroines. So, so much of my work is about coaching not just women, but men as well through the more feminine side of the journey. There's a masculine side that Tony knows so well and can speak about so well. And there is the feminine side. Tony, as some of you may know, has base camp for men this is his podcast that is offered on American Daily it uh, it has this great subtitle essential tools for the modern man and it's got just great visuals and i feel like if if i was a man i'd probably be there every day cuz i'm a woman i you know i'm there once a week just so i get like good interaction, communication, knowledge, and it it helps me with my lingo, (laughs) if you want to know the truth. Um, But Tony is an author, a men's coach, a workshop leader, and his mission is to elevate and help men with their challenges, which we are going to learn more about in today's show. He is the author of Body and Soul, The Essential Handbook for Men, It is a great handbook that takes you basically through this idea of being a heroic man, but on very many different levels, some that I think just might surprise you. And he really blends in this idea of what is healthy masculinity and how does that relate to finding your purpose? So, without further ado, welcome, Tony, to the show. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. It's great to be here, Debbie. Thank you.
0: And thank you for coming to the live studio.
1: Yeah, this is great. I, I do my podcast, but it's in my little home studio with a little foam box, so this is feeling very legit to me. Oh, yes, to we're very legit.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I love the legit. Yes, we have this great window that looks out here into uh, Bellevue, Washington, uh, we are experiencing a couple of clouds in July, but I promise if anyone comes to town tomorrow, you're going to get a beautiful, beautiful sun, and you can catch the replay of this show. Don't forget iTunes, Podcast One, Tune In, all of that. You can also uh, talk to Tony about his podcast, which... Is this great, great way of condensing down time and supporting men? Men need support too, which you well know. So, could you tell me just a little bit about the inspiration for getting your your podcast up and going?
1: Sure, sure. So, um, years ago, you know, I was a I was a athlete and was kind of a guy's guy when I was younger. Yeah. Um, But I had no kind of clues of what mature men did. There's this kind of dot, dot, dot around, you know, how do you know what, you know, where's personal development take men? Are we not supposed to talk about our feelings? This kind of man box that I've kind of unpacked on the show. Um, When I was younger, you know, there was just this kind of confusion about, well, what happens when I'm 30? What happens when I'm 40 and 50? Yeah. You know, how do I, who are going to be my mentors? And this was back in uh, the late 80s when uh, Robert Bly wrote Iron John and oh. Sam Keene wrote Fire in the Belly. And these were two kind of real big books in what was called the men's movement. And after that, the man, an organization called the Mankind Project started doing their new warrior trainings. And these were big, cathartic, in the woods with 80 men kind of rites of passage, right? Mm-hmm. And I had met a friend when I was young, and he had given me an invitation to one of these, and it just scared the Dickens out of me. I was like, no, that sounds too frightening to do. I was attracted, but I was like, I just had so much fear around doing something like that. Yeah. And fast forward to 10 years later, I was now 37 and living in New York City. And one of my good friends, Eric Hansen, was packing up in the studio that we shared, and he was leaving. And I said, hey, where are you going? And he said, oh, I'm going to my men's group. And I go, men's group? What, what <laughs> kind? And he goes, oh, with the Mankind Project. They do these the New Warrior trainings, and then we do these groups afterwards. And I go, they're still doing those? He goes, oh, it's the best thing for men. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm 10 years older. I'm in my late 30s. Mm-hmm. Suddenly I'm game for it. Suddenly I feel like I've got enough courage to go ahead and take that step. And doing the new warrior training there, there's some people will sometimes have some before and after moments. Maybe it's, you met your wife or you became a father or something happened that, that was transformational. Me doing the new warrior training was such an event. Like there was a before that Tony and then an after. Ah, okay. And I came away with such a heartfelt appreciation for men, their, their Mm -hmm. isolation um, and I built my mission, which is one of the things that you do on that training. I built a mission around assisting men in taking a more courageous life, getting out of their comfort zone, expressing themselves and, uh, and then providing resources for men. So it has been a mission that has, you know, really fulfilled me. It doesn't feel like there's an end. It just feels like this is what I'm going to do the rest of my time here. And, uh, and so then I wrote, of course, I wrote the book and then was offered the podcast with some great synchronicity, I was actually, because I was an author, I was the first guest of a pilot of Base Camp for Men, and I wasn't hosting. Mm. And then America Daily said, okay, we're going to take the host, Mark, and you're going to narrate the news show, which vacated the microphone for the men's show. And I think when they listened to the episode, they said, hey, what about him? And, and then they called me and offered it to me, and it's just been a delight for me.
0: And you're very good at it.
1: Oh, thank you. Appreciate
0: I, I really, I really meant it when I say I keep up my lingo. You know, I, I listen to it and I'm like, this, this is how men talk and relate. And, yeah. You know, it helps me as a woman to, to feel like I've got sort of the inside on it because we men and women are not always the same. You That's know, right. we're not always the same. And it's, it's really great that you call this your healthy masculinity. And and that you've qualified the fact that it really makes sense that sometimes we need 10 years before we're ready.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's, it's funny that, I mean, each, each chapter, if you look at your life like a hero's journey, my take on it is that each chapter is going to require a slightly different version of yourself. So as we overcome challenges, as we overcome self-doubt, you become... You know, maybe larger isn't quite the right word, but all of a sudden the things that scared you and stopped you when you were younger, suddenly you're saying yes to. And, you know, you grow your leadership and and all these things. And I think if you're true to your mission and the mission is 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 deep and in the heart, the the heart finds a way for the message to get through to people.
0: The heart does. does. Yeah, that's well said. You know, John D. Martini says, Anytime we feel like we're doing really well and we're full of knowledge, uh, get yourself ready for your next failure. Mm -hmm. You know? That's beautiful. It's like that's how we fail forward. And by the way, that is a paraphrase, not a quote. I can't remember the exact words. But that idea that as soon as you're like, I've got this, hang on, <laughs> because there's going to be more lesson in this idea of I've got this. Mm-hmm. But what I really want to stress to our listeners here is that you, you aren't heroic for taking the journey. You're heroic for being alive, mm. you know? You are heroic for not giving up on your life. You take the journey by what I like to think of as becoming more conscious. And, and you uh, outlined your book so well with these 10 chapters of how you did this. And one thing that I think is so, so important is the notion of finding a men's group. Because women, women collaborate, collaborate collaborate and congregate, or you can make it one word and do what I just did. But women just do that. Men, on the other hand, have sort of what you call in your book, the lone cowboy syndrome at times. Mm -hmm. So what's behind that thinking of, I got to do it all on my own?
1: Well, it's been talked about especially recently in the last 10 years called the man box right the toxic man box is what it's being referred to because it's not that men are toxic it's we've been cultured to be tough uh, to go it alone don't express any tender emotions and the tender emotions could be shame or sadness or um, you know even uh, love you know we're, we're supposed to be these singular figures that have it figured out and if we don't well, men don't reach out and get support. And part of my intention with the show is to show that men do gather in groups, and we do have authentic conversations about the things that are near and dear to us, including the ways that we have failed, that we've the lessons we've learned, um, uh, the things that are, are tough to talk about: addiction, shame. Uh, broken marriages, uh, all the things that come up inside of a men's group. And my intention with the show was to bring on guests and and highlight how those groups are. So we have a new segment called Inside the, the Inside the Men's Circle. I think we're calling it the Warrior Dog Council. And so I'm going to have men from my different men's groups and workshops in there to have conversations so that the listener will listen in and go, oh, that's what they talk about. I could talk about that stuff too. Or I have those concerns. So it's kind of my hope is that it brings down the curtain a little bit on these men's groups that have been a little out of reach for maybe a man that's like, oh, I I, I don't think, I'd be too afraid to go in there. Is to make mm-hmm. it very accessible as he hears the conversations of the podcast. He might go, hmm, I think mm-hmm. I, I'd like to do one of those or I'd like to get into one of those or I'd like to look for a group that would suit me. Um, yeah, and then also I, I think what you said was so beautiful in that... Um, the show is really, I'm hoping women will start to gravitate because we're starting to have female guests on the show. And I'm hoping that it will be a way for them to go, you know, this is, is to better understand the men that are in their lives, their sons, their fathers, their, their partners, their colleagues, and that it'll be a way for them to kind of listen in and add their voices to the conversation around men and masculinity.
0: Ooh, Yeah. Absolutely. So you can
1: come on. <laughs> cool. I was, I was kind of waiting. Yeah, yeah. I was like, Ooh, Absolutely. Do I get to go? Yes.
0: Neat. I love that. We have so many titles for men. You know, uh, women when we when we get together, um, especially uh, there was a time when I was on some dating sites and women would get together and say, "Okay, what are you looking for in a man?" So we we categorize men. You know. I want a blue-collar man, you know. I want someone who works with his hands all day long, tough guy. And then other ones would go, oh, I really like the metrosexual types that'll go shopping with me. And then there were the others that would say, oh, you guys, you're so weird. I just want someone who'll take me to a good Seahawks game and then leave me alone, you know. So there, all these types, so to speak, came out of conversations my guess, but I'm still an outsider, is my guess is in your groups, you guys start to learn how to be more balanced so that the 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 dirty words we think of that go with men like vulnerability mm-hmm. actually are welcomed in. Am I getting it right?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, we use authenticity yeah. because it's a little more masculine. I like that. So... Um, it is being more vulnerable, but if I say vulnerable is part of my promo or stuff, men will immediately go, "No, that's not for me." <laughs> but if you say authenticity, because men are very interested in being comfortable in their own skin, and they're attracted to other men that can speak o- the honest, you know, undertones of a situation, especially an emotional situation, um, any struggle, any conflict with their children, you know, his children or his wife, whatever work situations. Any man that can speak authentically about it is being vulnerable. But we phrase it as authenticity because I think that's more inviting for men. I think they're interested in being real and being comfortable in their skin.
0: Oh, yeah. That's that's attractive no
1: matter what kind of man you
0: are. Yeah. yeah. Just the idea. I love that. Comfortable in our own skin. Mm -hmm. You know? On the hero's journey, it's so important to understand that we grow by shedding a layer of that skin but we're never skinless you know we're always living in our skin so men women all of us we we really are challenged to live at our highest level and to learn what does it mean to get comfortable in my own skin we're coming up to the end of our first segment here we're going to go to a break but i want to thank jake and colin for being on the email with me last night We are going to get to your questions right after this.
1: Hi, I'm Kathy Cooper, and every Wednesday from 1 to 2 p.m., I'll be hosting Lost and Found. We'll be discussing all types of losses, but it's not going to be the doom and gloom hour. It'll be an hour of education, support, validation, and yes, we will have a little bit of humor. So won't you join me Wednesdays, 1 to 2 p.m.,
0: Lost and Found, because every loss matters, and through every loss, something can be found. Are you ready for something real, raw, upfront, and honest? Then tune in each Wednesday at 2 p.m. right here for Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and the host, Sakura Sutter. This show is unlike anything you have ever heard and was created to help others to help themselves. Hear me follow up with guests I have hypnotized and see how it has improved their lives. I will also spotlight amazing people from around the world. their skin tips, live readings, and answers to life's burning questions. Join us each Wednesday at 2 p.m. Need
1: help getting started with self-help? You came to the right place. Alternative Talk, 1150.
0: Welcome back. You are listening to Story U Talk Radio, and I am your host, Coach Debbie. And I have the pleasure of being joined by Tony Rizak from Seattle. Are you from Seattle? I am. Oh, good. Yep. Yep, I was right. From Seattle, Washington, and living in Seattle, Washington. He's right here in the studio with me today. I want to just send out a little uh, request that if you, too, are authoring a book or you've just authored a book and you are in Seattle and I have not found you yet, please find me. I would like to know about your book and find out if we are a match for the show. I have a brand new email and it is askcoachdebbie.com. Debbie is always spelled with a Y. Askcoachdebbie.com at gmail. I screwed that up. Debbie at gmail.com. That's my new email. All right. So Tony and I are having this great conversation here about the hero's journey, the man's project, and really his brand, which stands out as Base Camp for Men, essential tools for the modern man. And we want to get to some of our listeners here. I wrote to my warm market last night, and these are just some guys that have called upon me for, for coaching in the past that for whatever reason in their life, whether it was something going on with their wife or with their job or with addiction often, they've had questions and we've had coaching. So I got permission from Colin to share a little bit about his story. Colin was an athlete in high school, and a very good athlete. But what he shared with me was that having a coach really changed his life. This was someone that came along when he was about 15 years old. He told me that having this coach all of a sudden brought him into feeling like he was not only just strong physically, but that he had a sense of belonging. And that lately, at age 35 now, he's noticed he really wants this feeling back. And I thought this was a great question for us, Tony. So what would you recommend to a a guy like that? Had this inspiring coach mentor on the athletic end when he was a teen, but now all these years later, he's like, I'm just not sure where I belong and how to feel like I belong.
1: It's a great, I, I love how he phrased it. You know, him and I are both athletes. And ah. so it, to me, it shows that he's listening to himself, mm-hmm. that he's at a certain age. He's about at the same age I was when I got into the men's movement. I think there's something about, you know, mid thirties. Sometimes the hero's journey is starting to beckon you for, to, to, to step out into a new chapter. Um, for him, you know, the resources the mankind project that that new warrior training is a fantastic way to start a new voyage in a man's life. And if he wanted to get coaching, I would say that um, you know I have I have a f- offer for free coaching. He could go a free session with me to see if it was a fit. My sense is we him and I have a lot in common Tell I us ha- about that. Well, it's it's I offer a free session to any man um, that wants to see about what men's coaching is because men will, what we've been talking about is men will often go, well, no, I I couldn't do that or I'm not sure if that would work for me. And it gives them an hour to sort of unpack what the challenges are and to let me listen to them and to share some of my experience in that area. And um, they will know, I think there's a clear sense of like, this is an exciting, he's a good guide. This is an, I'm sensing movement in just, in just a one hour conversation. And that will be usually enough to get a man to figure out whether he wants to do it or not. And if it's not for him, no big deal. I'll still offer whatever resources that he's saying as I listen to his, his situation, what, you know, things will come up intuitively about, you know, go check this out or maybe have a conversation over here. Um, And so the whole thing's an intuitive process, but It comes from, you know, years of listening to men in men's circles and on calls with them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: I'm so curious about the the man that maybe wouldn't think of himself as an outdoor adventurist or Mm -hmm. athletic. You know, maybe maybe he studied foreign language and he directs theater and he loves to ride his bicycle into town because it's really healthy for the environment. And, and that's about as athletic as he wants to be. How might he find the sense of community?
1: I think he'd find it welcoming. I think that um, this kind of work, it, it, we're, I think it's really great at showing the commonalities of all men, no matter skin color, class, uh, sexual orientation, where they come from. Um, I think it's there, we pull on these kind of common threads that men have this deep longing to be connected to other men. It goes way back to our earliest days as men. Right. And, and I think that, um, one of the things is men feel like they can unpack certain parts of themselves when they feel safe around other, other men and speak truths that maybe have eluded them or, you know, and, and the thing is with men is at each stage, they're going to hit transitions that are challenging. It could be a midlife crisis. It could be, they just got fired. It could be that they just got a divorce or they're new. They just had to move, got transferred and everything's new. They don't have any friends. There's always these kind of challenging transitions for men and they, you know, we've been cultured to handle it alone, but I think when men start to get into this, these kinds of conversations, they realize, oh, this is, I feel so much lighter. I feel so much better connected to the collective male wisdom than just mm. doing it myself. You know? and, and, there, and there is a lot of collective wisdom in men if, if given the opportunity.
0: Given the opportunity, keywords yes. mm-hmm. right there, yes. And I think men have to learn how to give themselves permission to join the collective.
1: Yes, for sure.
0: Yeah, I bet that. Uh, I'm guessing that women do that. I mean, we we women resist it sometimes, but I guess my guess is we probably do it five times more often than a man would.
1: I would say that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And and sometimes what I find with men. Uh, I was in I was in relationship in my thirties with someone quite a bit older than me. And, you know, he was lovely, lovely human being. I knew he had secrets. I just I thought, What is going on? He's just not telling me the whole thing. And then one day his uh offender got out of jail. Mm. And I knew nothing about this until it happened and he received a letter of I guess warning. Mm. I'm not sure. Um And he sat me down and told me the whole awful story. Mm -hmm. Awful. And then he disappeared. Mm. He disappeared for two years. Wow. It was horrible, right? But when he resurfaced, I mean, one of the things he said was, I had just told you everything. How could I possibly trust you? Hmm. And I was like, wow. Yeah. So, So that was such a twist to me, like, I thought you told me everything because you trusted me, but then you vanished because you didn't trust me. And I I think, you know, he's long since had a heart attack and has left us. Mm. But I think part of the fear for a lot of men is I will take this monumental leap into trust, which isn't real trust, and tell you everything, and then I'll take this monumental leap back, mm. which is I shouldn't have trusted. And, and so I think sometimes men get caught in a blind faith. Mm. And my guess is that the collective helps men take steps instead of huge, you know, leaps out into the unknown.
1: Yeah, I think that sounds right. I think it, it allows, well, one thing too is it allows men to check in more frequently. Like you said, they're taking baby steps, but they just get used to revealing more they get used to being authentic they get used to speaking from a place of you know what their fears are what the shame is what what they're really facing that they're not talking about maybe with their significant others or even their their beer buddies or whatever anyone yeah it allows them to go deeper and say this has really been bothering me and I haven't been talking about it Yeah. yeah
0: yeah And and I think what I have found so interesting, and you speak about emotional intelligence in your book, is that this is not just for women. It's, it's not just, you know, the old idea of women stay home at, at the house and men go to work and women get emotional intelligence and men have their brawn, you know. Mm-hmm. Emotional intelligence is for humankind. But what does it look like for the man to start to Know it, embrace it, learn about it. What what came up in your own journey of emotional intelligence?
1: Well, one of the things, I mean, you get to where you start to trust your heart a little more. You get to yeah. trust your intuition and your and these little subtle clues that you get. You start to listen to those that little voice that's telling you what's what. You get you start to fine tune your intuition, which is extremely valuable. And I think the other thing is you really start. To take care of yourself better, men are notoriously bad at self-care because, again, the messaging has said we're tough guys and we don't really need to take gentle care of ourselves. We don't have to eat really good live food, you know, a lot of vegetables. We don't need to do yoga and be flexible and softer, you know. It's better for men just to, you know, be tough, have hard muscles, you know, that that reflects our inner life, but. I don't think that really captures it. I think we were given a pretty bad, you know, sale of goods when it comes to self-care. And I think part of what we're doing in the men's movement is reclaiming that self-care is really cool. You know, self-love is cool. It's not something that's just for women. In fact, women are absolutely depending on us to start to take better care of ourselves and take better care of our hearts and start to come from the heart more. That's going to make a huge difference to women, right? They want men that are comfortable. Authentic and coming from their hearts—that's that's that's, that's hip right now. It. Yeah, that's hip right now. <laughs> so it's
0: so cool. Oh, yeah, yeah, do it, do yeah. it. Yeah, it's so good. But but also, you know, one of the great things for a woman is that when a man commits to taking care of his heart, he sort of gives the woman in his life the opportunity to be herself with her heart and not to have to engage in any mothering which she doesn't want to do and he doesn't want it from her
1: right exactly you know? exactly
0: she don't want to do it but she's kind of like you haven't eaten anything good for yourself in like a month you know <laughs> what's going on over there on your plate of food <laughs> yeah
1: you see plenty of that you know the the mothering partnership you know and so yeah it's
0: yeah and and everyone wants a break from that mm-hmm but it's it's that journey of understanding it is ourself we take care of first, you know? Yep. I mean, I love a great man that takes care of me. Bring it on. But, you know, I'd like to know he's taking care of himself first, yeah. sure. you know? That's the good stuff. What kind of things does a man have to manage when we think about men and their energy? I mean, what does that, that look like? That's a great chapter from your book.
1: Oh, thanks. Yeah, I mean, I just I, I included a bunch of stuff in that chapter around health. Um, I I included uh, a big thing on yoga and movement. I think that still to this day, you can go to a yoga class and there's going to be like seventeen women and like two guys. And I think yeah, that's we a, love it. I think it's a big shame because I I think that it doesn't make men more feminine to be flexible. It makes them feel better. I think men have not been taught very well how to, what feels great. And I think as you get more flexible and more fluid in your body, I think you just naturally feel better. I think it's a human thing, not a man-woman thing. And so I included a lot of like resources for feeling better as a man, you know, Mm -hmm. eating better um, and just managing, managing your energy, managing your life force. Um, And for me, one of the things I had to do um, is I had to stop drinking. That's one of the ways that I um, managed my energy because I was, you know, I was somebody that liked to drink. Mm -hmm. um, And my family also, we have a whole history of, of, you know, alcoholism. My grandparents were both alcoholics on my mom's side. And so and it's something that I took to as a young man and you know, just really liked it. I Mm like being in parties. I like being out at happy hours and all that stuff. And then there was a point, you know, six, it's been over six years now where I just, I was exhausted from it. I felt like the alcohol was, I was feeling how toxic it was for me. Mm -hmm. And even though there was a lot of fear around quitting, I knew that it was an essential part of my next chapter was to face that. Um, and so I did, I, I, I stopped drinking. It wasn't not to diminish people that really, really struggle quitting. It wasn't nearly as hard as I thought it was going to be once I made the choice to. And, um, it has made a big difference in my, my energy, my health, my mental capacity. You know, my wife says you're not as, you know, used to be kind of impatient at night and that's gone. You know, you're more, you got more space, you're more, you know, patient with me you give me more space and stuff so it's made a big difference um, and you know it's not a, it's not advocating every man has to look at that but I think there's a lot of men that probably use alcohol as a way to de-stress instead of taking good care of themselves they will have a few drinks and that's how they unwind and and cope with stress but there's a better way to cope with stress if you're willing to step out a little bit onto your hero's journey
0: Hmm. yeah did were, it doesn't sound like you had one of those kind of crashing down on your knees needed to stop drinking
1: well it i was i was kind of hitting bottom i think my my wife and i our relationship wasn't in a really great spot at the time um so much so that i think i was sleeping down in the basement and Oops. her up in the bedroom kind of thing and we were just having a we were having normal marital you know yeah. chapter where it's like oh you know is this is this uh, you know what's happening here. How do we yeah. get this on better footing? And you know, for me, it was the the clear sense of like, okay, maybe the drinking is is part of what's holding this pattern in place, and it was. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah.
0: I think a really hard p- part of that journey for so many of us is, yeah, Um, you know, a lot of my story that that I'm very active in Al-Anon. Mm. So so we say as a friend and family member of alcoholics that we have our own sobriety to learn. Mm-hmm. You know, we have our own ways to get sober. And and did you come to understand that there were that it was more than just stopping the the drink but that there was there were new habits to learn, new ways to live?
1: Yeah, I mean I think I think when I stopped it signaled to my subconscious mind that everything was changing. And so there was a, you know, first it was like, Oh, I can't believe I'm doing this. <laughs> right? Yeah, right. And then, where's all my buddies. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then it was, uh, I have a lot more energy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited. And then I started writing. I mean, the book came right out of my sobriety. I don't mm-hmm. think I would have written the book had I still been drinking today. I don't think I was willing to take the risk to start putting down words But once I stopped drinking, all of a sudden the words started really coming in clear fashion.
0: Did you hear that, my dear readers? You know, it's a myth that you need to drink to write. I'm really glad that Stephen King came out to let us know that. Smiled. Oh, you're great. I got his picture saying that. A minute late, but it's still that moment. I'm going to remember how he said that. That was really touching. Um, That that. Some of the best writing comes right out of our sober minds, if not the best, because we have the courage to continue with the journey. I mean, I've I have drunkard writing, you know. It starts out fun, gets a little weird, so it won't be published. But what Tony is saying here is writing is a courageous journey. We're going to talk a little bit more about that when we come back from our next break, and we will also take your question, Mr. Jake. Yes, we will take your question. Stay tuned. Saved is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council.
1: Man, I love my kids so much. I once sat for three hours in the cold rain to watch her soccer team lose by 18 goals. I love my kids so much. I
0: once used a tube to suck snot out of her stuffed nose at 3 a.m you win. Love your kids? Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat. From toddlers to tweens, visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat to find the right seat for their age and size. Keep them safe. Visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
1: Organic, free range, and fresh daily. Alternative Talk, 1150.
0: Welcome back. This is Story You Talk Radio, and I am your host, Coach Debbie. Thank you for joining me and Tony Rizak as we are talking about men on their heroic journey and his brand, Base Camp for Men. It's also the name of his podcast, which I hope you will check out on America Daily. Uh, it's got his his deep voice in it. It's very compelling, really intentional wording on there. I enjoy listening to it. And I don't think of myself as a brawn guy at all. But I do like the whole adventures into the world of men. And it just helps me know them better, you know, because, because, yeah, I got a brawny guy in my life. And I, I like to, I like to know the inside story something that Tony said in his book is that playing it safe is a built-in survival mechanism and it's hardwired into our nervous system, which really helped us understand more about the collective male community and why it's so necessary and the roles it has played in Tony's life. So I think that that speaks volumes to why men would want to ask you questions, Tony. Let's take one from Jake. He is from the Maple Valley area. He is married to uh, my writing client, Crystal. He's 46 years old. I know Jake to be a very strong, very brawny, very successful real estate man. And he writes in and says, You know me, I'm a no-nonsense kind of guy. Yes, you are, Jake. You're a very no-nonsense kind of guy. I was really happy to hear this latter part where you said, It's taken me a long time to become successful, but now that I feel financially free, I am discovering, quote, I spend a lot of time feeling lonely. And I'm sure that did come to a surprise to you, Jake, what can you say to the man that has acquired what he thought was going to be his dreams and it's left him lonely?
1: Well, I think it's, this, it's a similar message to what we've been talking about is that because men are cultured to go it alone, they're not told what the shadow of that looks like, you know, that if you go it alone, you could be 40, 50, 60 years old. There's a lot of men out there that have, you know, one friend You know, and they talk to him like once a year. And other than that, it's all work. And, you know, the men that are involved in the men's movement and men's groups, they have a lot of friends. You know, I have friends coast to coast because of the men's groups I've sat in, I've led, I've participated in. And so as somebody that has reaped the rewards of this kind of work, I can say that it's just stepping into this work and saying, hey, I want to see Jake could start by listening to the podcast. There's several episodes on there. Episode eight is the power of men's groups. And there's uh, one of them that's inside the men's circle. And he could That li- one's really good. He could, li- thank you. He could listen in and see, hey, that's kind of what men's groups are like. This is what these men talk about. Because we're all no nonsense as well. So we have that in common with Jake. And I think that if the conversations resonate with him, he would be welcomed. And I think. He would see in no time that he would have other men that he trusts and would call close friend in in just you know, we do these startup groups and they'll last five or six weeks, and you can't believe how how much bonding there is in just such, such a short period of time because men are really hungry for this.
0: Oh, yeah, the, I think too, Jake we we um, I'm really glad you wrote in, Jake. we we tend to go with stereotypes until we're in that thing. So until you're in the men's group, you might have some stereotypes playing in your mind. I know when I was trying to break into women's groups, I mean, I was very lonely and I was very sore on the inside. My heart was just sore. But I didn't want to join some group where they sat around and talk about, you know, their eyelashes and breast pumps or whatever. It just... I thought, I can't, I can't do that, and I, I can't do chatty groups. I, I need something that's deeper. On the other hand, I don't want to hear all their wounds. I don't want to just be <sighs> taxed all the time. So we make up these ideas almost as a, a non-initiation for ourselves to keep us out of the group. But once you go, you get to see the real vibe. You get to feel the real thing, and make a decision for yourself: Is this where I belong or not? And I've honestly never met someone that came away saying I didn't get anything out of this. Right. I have men's groups, women's groups, um, you know, LGB, everything groups. I every everything i've heard of where the purpose is to come together as the collective it works darn darn well one thing i know about men is sometimes when they don't have a group and they're not really sure how to re- oh hello we have a we have a um someone washing our windows that just all of a sudden appeared on the window like superman i just about jumped out of my skin uh, when we don't have that way to relate to someone intimately, we go for the next false thing because it makes us feel good. And and for women it's often, for me it was always cupcakes, you know, mm. that works, that works really well, or a chick flick, chick flicks are great. Or for some of my more extreme friends, they might, you know, take in a night at Chippendales, I could never really feel comfortable there. I laughed and giggled, but I, I wasn't a good p- participant. But men have this way of staying, you know, in that lone cowboy locked up household and finding the comfort of porn, mm-hmm. which we're not going to call good and we're not going to call bad, but we're also not going to call it the solution. And so how do you talk about that in your book for men?
1: Well, I brought it up in the chapter around healthy sexuality, and actually, we just did an episode—episode episode fourteen of Basecamp for Men—is called "The Porn Trap," and that's the title of Wendy and Larry Maltz's uh, exceptional book on the topic. And so Wendy came on, and I got to interview her. And you know, my take on it—I was raised in the sex positive. Culture. So I read, you know, how I educated myself was I read the good vibrations guide to sex and the guide to getting it on all these kind of books that everybody was talking about. And, you know, in those books, porn is seen as no big deal for men, like men are visual creatures. You know, this is just part of what we do. It's like what we like. And it's a, it's a seasoning to our sexuality. Um, and So I never thought it was any, there was any pitfalls to pornography, really. And it wasn't until, you know, I got older, more and more experienced in men's groups and hearing what men were struggling with, reading their book completely changed my tune on it. And then I had some guests on, or I was a guest on another man's podcast, uh, Kyle Bradford, and he spoke about pornography and I started to feel like this is a real pitfall. Men are doing this a lot. It's impacting their relationships, whether they know it or not. Their, their, their primary romantic relationship is being altered if they're surfing porn a lot and keeping it secret, right? And so my take now, I, I've done a 180, and I give this book as a resource, recommend it. And I say, if there's a man that's really struggling with I say, you know, do you need... To get into a group or do you need to take a break from it and see how you feel so it's a delicate topic mm-hmm. even amongst men because a lot yeah, of men man. even even men in men's groups sometimes it takes them a while to come around to oh these guys are talking about this um or this man is is saying you know he is struggling in this area and um but my take on it now is like a little bit like sobriety you, if you without it if you're used to having it as part of what your sexuality is and then you you go without it how does that make you feel how how what are you noticing the changes in yourself in your relationship is there things that are going on um the book is brilliant and it's in the episode i'm so proud of it because wendy is was so great to talk to
0: she was the title again
1: the porn trap is the mm. name of the book the name of the episode is also called the porn trap with wendy maltz and she just she unpacks things in such a great way just you know non-judgmental knows what's out there knows what men's tendencies are and speaks really with a lot of compassion for the situation and she knows that there's pitfalls and men don't often know that because we're just like oh I thought this was all okay right Mm -hmm. and it's like no not you know that there's parts of your behavior that are unconscious right now so we're trying to help you with with that aspect of your life
0: yeah and I've I've noticed when I coach women and this is always really funny to me not funny haha but funny ironic which is you know the woman'll come in and and say my my man has this porn problem and she'll squawk on about it for mm. a bit and then I'll stop her and say you know sweet I think we have to talk about your shopping mm. and she'll be like what shopping I'm like yeah all that shopping you're doing, all, that's kind of your porn. Mm-hmm. No, that's not my porn. I'm like, yeah, it is, honey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We gotta talk about that because the man in your life thinks I'm just shopping. Mm-hmm. He's, I'm just online shopping. That's all I'm doing. It's, I mean, porn's such a dirty word for what I'm doing. I'm just shopping around. That's yeah. all. It's nothing big, but. Shopping has its way of making us secretive and not honest with ourself. And anytime we're not honest with ourselves, it's sort of like just a tiny baby hit of cyanide. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah, exactly. Just starts we're not to quite in integrity. We lose a little integrity. We know it on some level, but we're choosing to sort of look away and say, well, this is how I de-stress or I, how I manage myself. And, you know, and so, yeah, but if there's a little there's there's some lack of integrity about, you know, is this the best way to be spending your time? Is this the best way to be spending your evenings?
0: Yeah. You know?
1: yeah and so, yeah.
0: Any of, any of that loss of integrity, if we equated it with like a little one-pound weight and all the things we're hiding and not talking about is just another one-pound weight on our shoulders, what if you got 200 of those, you know, and you're walking around? You ain't feeling so good. So... It, it's time to look it's time to ask am I living the quality life I want it's not that it's bad it's not that it's good it just might not be taking you where you really 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 want to go so something I think is just great in in your um your wording here is you talk about the inner king mm. you finish up the book with the inner king can you tell us a little about who that is, how he arrives there, what that's about?
1: Yeah, the well, the the king is one of the four archetypes of the mature masculine, the other three being magician, lover, and warrior. And the king is an archetype that men will start to express more as they get a little older. So it starts to, starts to express itself a little as a man gets in his 40s and in his 50s. Certainly it's happening. Um, and by the time he's in his 60s, it's, you know, he's, if he's done his work, he has full access to that archetype. And it's not, people mistake, men even mistake that it's, it means I'm in control as the king. That's, not, that's, that's a lower masculine sentiment that comes from the ego. The true archetypal king is a group energy that men share, and it comes from losing ego by putting the, the, the village before your own selfish needs. You've now done enough work that you have vision for the world and you're willing to make the sacrifices to your own egoic needs and you're willing to make alliances and you're willing to keep this heartfelt notion that we're entering our best days. It's, the world's not going to hell. Actually, the world, we've got this. Like humans, we've, we just need to access certain energies and we're, we're going to be just fine. We're going to figure this out you know, the king and the queen will figure this out, the archetypal king and queen. And so there's a tremendous amount of hope, sacrifice in the king, but also just this deep wisdom of, you know, I can make alliances. I can put my own needs aside because this is what the village needs. This is what the the city needs or the country needs or the world needs from me and the men. So that's as best I can summarize it.
0: Oh, you did a great job summarizing that. I, I can't thank you enough for coming in, Tony. It's, this is just great stuff.
1: This was a delight. It's always a delight to talk to you. I can't wait to have you on Base Camp for Men. I'll, oh, cool. I'll, I'll cook up some questions, but you'll be fantastic on there. So we'll, we'll schedule that, too.
0: Oh, thank you. Um, and Tony's already promised me that the next time he comes, he's going to bring his young son Lucas in to add to the conversation, which I think will be wonderful to Absolutely. hear a young man's perspective.
1: Absolutely. Very yeah. youngest man. Yeah, yeah. He'd be excited about doing that. So. Is he,
0: will he be about 12 at yeah. Christmas time? Well,
1: he's tw- yeah, he's 12 now, and so his birthday's 12. in January, so he'll still be 12 at Christmas. So, okay. Yeah. Almost that, 13.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's when that real journey gets a-going. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for joining us to... Talk about the hero's journey, really from a man's perspective, and to hear about Tony Rezac's own journey. I want to encourage you to look him up. Tony Rezac is R-E-Z-A-C. He's here in Seattle, and his brand is Basecamp for Men. Check out his podcast, and check out his book, Body and Soul which you can get on Amazon. I think you can even get it at his website, basecapformen.com. We'll be right back with you next week. And thank you for joining us.